J.R. Smith, who I guess is done with playing in the NBA now. Um, he is going back to, geez, I believe it was North Carolina A&T. And he's going back to school. He's going to get an education. And I'm assuming he should be allowed to play golf for the school as well. So 35-year-old J.R. Smith may be a golfer for the program there at North Carolina A&T. So that'll be interesting. I think Smith is one of the best, or when he was playing, he was one of the, when he was playing in the NBA, he was one of the best golfers out of that entire pool of players. I mean, you have him, probably Steph Curry, but J.R. Smith, a legitimately good golfer for being a pro basketball player. And yeah, so I think, I mean, I don't, granted, like North Carolina, North Carolina A&T is a mid-major golf program. Nothing spectacular, I guess, compared to the, to the top. But, um, you know, I think it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he'll do pretty well. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to do absolutely terrible. Granted, I don't know the the skill level <laughs> at North Carolina A and T or that I can't remember what conference that is, but um, like what that level of competition is. But I think J.R. Smith is probably going to be able to manage there. I don't I don't think it's going to be too overwhelming. But who really knows? I know it's, they'll probably get if he does end up getting the approval and an eligibility to be an athlete there that's now that i'm thinking about that that's a weird thing for name image and likeness right because jr smith probably has a bunch of brand deals and stuff like that so that'll be um that'll be something interesting to follow too but uh yeah i think i think it would be a pretty cool thing if jr smith gets approved for um yeah to, to be able to participate at the NCAA level and then yeah and golf for North Carolina and T but we'll have to see what happens I know that was just the initial report but I think he has the paperwork or whatever to request eligibility so that's what he's doing so the Patriots preseason opener was on Thursday night they play the Washington football team WFT and so like obviously the big anticipation or the biggest concern or the biggest uh, point of emphasis was on the so-called quarterback battle for the Patriots with Cam Newton, Mac Jones. And, you know, for me, I'm kind of on the train of what Bill Belichick is saying that Cam Newton will be the starter for week one and all of that. Um, So that's still my expectation. And, uh, but, you know, looking at, the, I mean, if you just look at the stat lines, uh, the stat line specifically there, I mean, Mac Jones seems to have outperformed Cam Newton, but I mean, it's just a small sample size. I mean, none of them were spectacularly great. It's not like you were jumping out of your seat watching them at Gillette. Um, but yeah, I mean, the crowd energy was insane. Like as soon as people realized that Mac Jones was walking out to the field, into the huddle, the crowd started to cheer. Very good atmosphere there. 
Jones played, I think it was second and third quarter. Uh, Newton obviously played the first quarter. Brian Hoyer, I think their third string quarterback, was playing in the fourth quarter there. Um, but yeah, like Mac Jones was 13 for 19. I think he had 87 yards. Um, so like I said, I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's a, it's a solid start. Um, the, the biggest, I think the biggest standout of the, in, of the entire game was Ramondre Stevenson, the running back they drafted out of Oklahoma in, in this, in the 2021 draft goes and gets, I think what, 10 carries, uh, 120 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns two touchdowns because he he yeah had the the one before the big one towards the end of that game where it was a 91 yard touchdown um decent blocking there obviously gets the outside and just rips it down the sideline so that is super good considering stevenson i mean I don't know. Uh, the the running back cuts are going to be interesting. Like uh, someone, I feel like someone would have to go out of that group of. Um, well, obviously Harris is going to be on the roster, but Sony Michelle. I mean, potentially James White. It seems like JJ Taylor is going to have a, a role on that team, whether it's in special teams, maybe some offensive um, plays. But uh, yeah, something's going to happen with those running backs. I would hope it's just a trade versus just a a. a flat out cut uh roster cut but i don't know we'll have to see but stevenson made a a very good point there's no way stevenson is not going to be on the roster since they just since they just drafted him so he'll be there um trying to think of what uh just so yeah going back to the quarterback thing like i said i mean there's there wasn't anything in my mind that would change why mac jones um would would be the starter in week one and i think it's a really good idea for him to just sit back and wait until it's absolutely necessary um because i i mean i'm not saying like i'm not saying it's going to be like a alex smith patrick Mahomes situation for kansas city but that's what you kind of would hope for like to where mac jones is just able to sit back and and just um learn the system more and more keep getting better and better and then be ready to go next season you know, I don't think it, it may not be that long of a wait, um, just depending. Yeah, it really just depends on how Cam Newton plays. But that would be ideal is for Mac Jones to be able to wait. Um, but yeah, uh, the new uh, the new number 10 for New England there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I think he's he's going to be in there sooner rather than later, just based off of what I saw in this in the small sample of two preseason quarters. Um I think he'll definitely be the future, no doubt. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully New England can stick with Cam um, in that regard. Uh, who, what else did I want to touch on? I mean, I, I with the with the the kickers. Um, so Nick Folk was the kicker for the Patriots last season. He had two fifty-plus yard game-winning kicks, so that's super impressive. Or it was high forties and a fifty-yard or whatever it was. Um, I don't think he's on the roster anymore. I think it's just Quinn Nordine, uh, undrafted kicker out of Michigan. And it's kind of funny because he was three for three on field goals um, in the game on Thursday when he was two for five at Michigan all of last season. So that's pretty impressive 
that Nordine has turned it around. Um, I think that was like the the switch that needs to be turned on for him um, to turn things around. And yeah, has has a heck of a leg. Though he did miss an extra point after uh, the the first touchdown there. The what like Steve the Stevenson's like four yard carry into the end zone. Uh, missed that extra point, but um, thankfully that's just preseason. But yeah, I I think um, Nordine could be a very good option for New England. And like I said, I don't even know if Folk is on the roster anymore. Um, I did not see him at all. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Nordine looks like a pretty quality kicker. So there you go. So there's the the Patriots kind of preseason re- <laughs> uh, preseason opener kind of review there of um don't look too much into the mac jones thing yet i still think cam will be the guy for i mean if we're talking bare minimums here at least at, uh, until week five um because i think you really want to set up um especially with the matchup against the bucks week four sunday night you definitely want to set up a veteran quarterback going up against tom brady especially since he's coming back to Foxborough, um, having Brady versus his um, the, the quarterback coming in after him in Foxborough is probably not the best idea. And um, so I think, yeah, definitely bare minimum. The first four weeks is Cam Newton's for sure. Ideally, like I said, I mean, ideally for me would be the whole season. Just go Cam Newton the whole season. But if it's like super terrible to where they're, She's, I don't know, three and five, two and six, even even four and four, I guess, through the first eight weeks. That's when you may want to start um, putting in Mac Jones for the second half of the season. But who knows? We can only speculate, really. Um, maybe people can hear from sources on what may happen, but pretty tight knit um, in, in the New England organization. So. It's all going to be a mystery until it actually happens. But, um, yeah, I think uh, who's the next team uh, that they're playing? I think it's Philly. So they're going to Philly playing the preseason game there in the last one because it's only three preseason games this season because of 17 regular season games. Um, Yeah, it'll be Philly and then the Giants. So they're kind of doing a sweep of the NFC East for their preseason games. Yeah. but yeah, I like like I said, just I settle down a little bit on the hype and and realize that you kind of want Cam Newton in there for now, and then when Mac Jones, when the organization feels like he's ready, when Belichick feels like he's ready, that's when he'll go in. So some interesting things that I saw from baseball that I had written down. Um, you had the Rays were playing the Red Sox. So an AL East battle between the top two teams currently in that division. Um, Red Sox, I, I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what night that was. Um, but anyway, uh, Red Sox were up 20 to 1 at a point in this game. And it got to the top of the ninth inning and the Rays scored seven runs uh, to have the deficit go from 19 to 12 still a double digit deficit didn't really matter at the end but i just found that kind of uh kind of hilarious that uh yeah i mean the red the red sox just absolutely dominated um 
and it was like it's not like one player was like a, an absolute standout and um the, it was just scoring all over the lineup uh so not necessarily the best look for the Rays, but the Rays still have a very sizable lead um in the standings so i mean i not really a cause for concern but um it's also not great but if you're looking at the standings yeah so tampa bay still has a five game lead over boston uh new york is seven and a half behind if we're looking at the wild card standings still because this is going to be very interesting like this is something i really i'm really going to keep following here until we hit the postseason of course um because it's just so tight right now with the within the standings um we have the athletics with a three and a half game advantage for the first wild card spot over the yankees red sox two and a half games over the yankees for the second spot um toronto's a game behind the yankees seattle's two games behind and then you have the angels who are now six games behind so i think you can consider the angels out of the um immediate playoff race for now i mean they could obviously turn things around here in the next month but the legit contenders or wild card contenders you got right now athletics the red sox yankees jays mariners um so yeah so it's gonna be super entertaining and it I think at least with the Yankees, like these teams are lined up to be played on their schedule. Um, I think they have to play. They probably have to play the Jays and Sox again because divisional opponents. Um, I know they're playing the Angels. They're playing the White Sox, who are the leaders of the Central. And actually, to talk about that, that Field of Dreams game where they played in Iowa, um, where the set of that movie was, um, you know, basically in like the cornfields and stuff. It was it was pretty. It's pretty cool to have the players walk um, out of the cornfields onto the field. Kevin Costner was there. Um, yeah, it was just like an electric atmosphere from what I saw from the highlights because that was Thursday night, and I was obviously at the Patriots game, um, so I didn't see it live. I just yeah saw replays and highlights, but it was electric because the Yankees made a run in the top of the ninth inning to get the one-run lead, but go figure. They give it up. Uh, walk off Tim Robinson of, of the White Sox and I mean that's I mean the game ended with fireworks that was for sure like literal fireworks were getting launched off in the in the outfield um or obviously behind the field of play and uh yeah it was just I think that was baseball kind of needs more of that I mean you don't want to have it be um become stale but to have those types of games is that would be super cool to, to keep doing and and it would definitely draw um interest and that was i mean i think it could have been a little inflated just because of the the of what the game was the situation but uh it, regardless if that was just on a normal field that would have been a super entertaining baseball game so um but yeah just the atmosphere the way the game went yeah by far the best game of the season and um, i don't think um, until we get to the playoffs not a lot of games are going to be able to trump that um in excitement and and but that's that was super good for the sport because that was a super entertaining game to watch i'm assuming if you were seeing that live and heck the highlights were exciting so um yeah that's that's what that's what baseball needs right there is there anything else i wanted to 
get into. Oh, um, Corbin Burns. Uh, Jeez, oh, where does he pitch? I want to say Milwaukee, but I gotta gotta just make sure. Yep, Milwaukee. Okay, so Corbin Burns had a record uh, performance uh, a couple days ago, to where he tied the MLB record with ten straight strikeouts. That is um, unbelievable. So he retired. 10 straight batters. I'm pretty sure all swinging too. So that's, I guess that's uh, pretty impressive. Um, so he is the only, let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. So Aaron Nola, who was on the Philadelphia Phillies, he pulled, oh, he, wow. So two of these have happened this season. So you have, Corbin Burns of the Brewers in August, who just who did that, 10 straight strikeouts in a row. And then you had Philadelphia's Phillies pitcher, Aaron Nola, who did that in June. So, t- <laughs> so we had two of the three in history of 10 straight strikeouts happened in the last two or three months. So that's ridiculous. And then, of course, it seems, it seems fitting that Hall of Famer Tom Seaver uh, did that back in, in 1970 against the... Who was it against the Padres? Yeah, against the Padres um, when he was uh, pitching for the Mets. So, yeah, super. Um, that's super cool how that's happening. It's it's kind of like um, reminds me a little bit of the the Yankees triple play record. How they had what two in a span of like a week uh, when they did one against the the Blue Jays while they were in Buffalo, and then they played. I think it was the White Sox and got another one. So they had three triple plays in one month. And I'm pretty sure they just need one more this season to get the, I think it's the MLB record. Um, so we'll see if that happens. But uh, yeah, just um, just ridiculous that that is even possible to get 10 strikeouts in a row. Um, I know the pitching is super good in the MLB, but I mean, the hitters are also pretty good. So the fact that 10, 10 batters in a row couldn't like get it out into the field all striking out swing um, that credits are Coven Burns. Cause that's just, I mean, that's hard to believe, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it happens sometimes, I guess only three times, but it, it happens. 